Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. Well, this is a real treat for me. I get to meet the president of the Humane Society International, Jeff Flocken. He's been doing cruelty confrontation around the globe in more than 50 countries for his entire life. So many important things that he's done, positions that he's held, titles and awards. And now he is not only the proud dad of a dog from the South Korean meat trade, a rescue from HSI, Humane Society International, which is coordinated with Humane Society of the United States. But he's been part of the team that just brought 34 dogs into Washington, D.C. from South Korea. Jeff, congratulations on, I think it's the 17th meat farm that you folks have shut down in South Korea. Does that sound about right? That does. And thank you so much for having me on the show today, Tracy. I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be here talking to you. Very nice of you to say I am the one who's honored because anyone who has spent their life looking at the dreadful things we humans do, both climate-wise and just full-on cruelty-wise to animals around the globe, you're brave and you keep doing it. And, you know, Jaguar Conservation Fund. I mean, didn't the Jaguars just have something great happen? Didn't I just, you're part of that. You're on the board of directors. Didn't the Jaguars just have something marvelous happen? Or was that a cheetah? Um, There's actually some lion populations in Kenya actually at their highest number that they've seen in 15 years. So that may be the story you're thinking of, and which is really exciting. And we've seen bounce back on jaguar populations in certain pockets as well. Um, Other species like cheetahs are still heavily traded and are needing, you know, some more conservation efforts. But it is so great to get good news like what we heard about with lions the other day. That's really nice. No, I did see a picture of a spotted large cat. Oh, okay. Some good news. So we, but but we're really, but I'm sorry to, to change the subject. It's just that I think what you do is so marvelous. And a lot of us have that soft spot for dogs and domestic cats. And we forget about the big animals and you never forget about them or the gorillas. You're, you're always caring about them in a very serious way, not just, you know, heart on sleeve, but okay, what can we do to better the world for them? So this is my question about what HSI is doing in the South Korean meat market trade. A million dogs a year are killed for meat in South Korea. I'm basing that on your press release. So you brought 34 dogs in. 
and I mean this with zero disrespect, just really question, is this, are these 34 dogs ambassadors to raise our, or continue to raise our awareness of the suffering of the 1 million left behind? What, what is the value to the, obviously the 34 dogs have a better life. Your dog Chewbacca has a better life, but that's not what HSI is about. Individuals, you know, uh, getting out. It's how do we stop the horrors? So how do these 34 push you closer to that goal? That's, that's a fantastic question, Tracy. Um, and first off, you're absolutely right. You know, we, out, we, we value at Inside International and on a personal level, every individual animal. So I'm so thankful for these 34 dogs that they're going to find their forever homes and loving families. And they actually are just 34 of over 2,500 that Humane Society International has saved from the dog meat trade. But as you mentioned, up to a million dogs a year are raised and slaughtered in intensive dog meat farming operations in South Korea. And the goal that Humane Society International has is to end the trade. And every farm that we've been involved in closing has been a step closer to banning that trade. So when I say we're involved in a farm closure, what we've done is set up a system where actually dog meat farmers come to us voluntarily and say that they want to get out of this industry. And frequently it's a farmer who has inherited this from their family in farming. And dog meat farming is a brutal industry. Um, the slaughter of the animals is usually done by electrocution. The dogs are typically only about a year old when they're killed for harvest. And their lives are very rough up to that point, um, frequently living in wire cages, not receiving any veterinary care, not receiving any kind of love or kindness. And these are dogs, you know, dogs like the dogs we know here that are part of our family. A dog is a dog is something we like to say. And the majority of South Koreans are against this trade. We polled them recently in October and found that 85% of never eaten dog meat, nor never intend to, and over half the Koreans that we polled using the Nielsen Korea Polling Company um, actually were in favor of a ban of this trade. So when we partner with a farmer, they come to us and say they want to get out of this trade, and we do an assessment, and we go in and say, okay, well, what would you rather do? What would be a humane, sustainable livelihood for you? And then we help them transition. Um, sometimes they pick a uh, you know, non-animal crop like blueberries or water parsley um, or chili peppers. Other ones want to do something different like water delivery. And we help them make that transition. And in return, they give us the dogs on the farm. We do medical checkups, make sure all the dogs receive their many times their first veterinary examinations. And then we vaccinate them and prepare them for the next step of their journey, which is being raised, taken from these farms and brought to forever homes. The majority of these 2,500 dogs that we've helped to save have ended up in homes in North America or Europe. And a handful have also been in South Korea, but there's not so much of an adoption market there. And that's something that we're working on. But really important, with every farm that we've closed, we have actually opened up acceptance to talking about this issue. When we started in 2015, nobody was willing to talk to us about the dog meat trade issue. Um, and now, seven years later, we have celebrities, local celebrities, Korean celebrities who want to come to the closures and use their you know, internet platforms or their media platforms to talk about ending this trade. We have politicians who come to see what's happening on the farm. We have media, Korean media at all levels who want to come and cover it. The first time we've closed the farm, 
nobody would even speak to us. And certainly nobody wanted to come to the farm and see what we were doing and talking about. So each of these 17 farms has gotten us closer to where we want to be. And that is instituting a federal ban in South Korea, stopping the dog meat farming. It's You tell the story very well and very seamlessly. It's confusing that 15% of people in Korea might admit to eating dog meat. So 85%, an overwhelming majority, say they've never eaten it. Let's say some are lying for whatever reason. Still, it's an overwhelming majority. And more than 50% want a complete ban. So how do those 15% need 1 million dogs worth of meat? And where are these people? Are they in an enclave? Are they uh, some sort of a tribe? Like in uh, the, the northern part of China, there's a tribe, or I think it's called a tribe, the Huangs or whoever they are, and they've always traditionally eaten dog meat. And so they're kind of dug in there, as I understand it. You know, things aren't as transparent in China, I guess, as South Korea. But if such a vast majority don't want any part of it, then why are they so reluctant to talk about it? Is it shame, embarrassment? that this goes on in their country? What was it that that, that hushed them? Um, well, that's, that's a good question. And really, you know, the, we need to look at this and see the dog meat consumption. Um, what we have seen and learned is that it's not really being done through need. It's actually done annually as part of a cultural, um, I, won't, I won't say, it's, it's part of a, a cultural event where once a year, um, during the Bacchanal Festival, which is the hottest hottest time, but, sorry, during the Bacchanal holidays, which is the hottest time of the year, um, dog meat is served in soup, and it's said to have a, a cooling agent to it. Um, it's something that we have pulled and have found is mostly consumed by older generations, or you know, tried by the younger generation, who then say they won't try it again. Um, it's something that is naturally kind of going away as more and more. South Koreans become pet owners and start to make that association between their animal that they love as part of their family and what's being served on the plate. So we see this as something that is dying out and we're there and able to talk about it. I should mention when I say we, we have a wonderful staff, all South Koreans in our South Korea office for Humane Society International who are leading this charge. They grew up in Korea, they lived there all their lives, and they really understand that whether or not you know their parents or grandparents ate dog meat, it's not humane the way that these animals are raised, and it's something that needs to end. So it's local people who are also standing up and saying, this is the time to stop eating dog meat in South Korea. So it's generational. As the older generation dies, so will their habits die with them and their, and their ways? I mean, as I understand it, it's sort of a strange irony that in China, as I understand it, dog meat is served because they think it keeps you hot in the cold months. So here are people saying it cools you in the hot months, and the opposite said in another country. And both are fairly absurd claims. I mean, if a meat broth soup gives you some effect, it gives you some effect. It's not the protein that's in it. I mean, that's just, you know, old, call it a wives' tale or something. It's just, it's so interesting that South Korea, which is a highly, call it developed nation in terms of access to the rest of the world, information, uh, knowledge, that there would be this pocket that hangs on to this. So is it possible these dogs are raised from birth until one year later and it's planned so that the slaughter will all happen at once for the soup? 
I'm just, it, I mean, I am going to talk to your colleague in South Korea who has worked, you know, hand in glove running it there, Mr. Lee, and find out more about it. But I think I want to ask you as a Westerner, because we have that Western look at things, our way of maybe finding logic or or an explanation is always from a Western point of view. So what, what would we, what do, can, how can we as Westerners understand this and come to some kind of peace with it? Well, setting aside the um, assumptions about cooling and heating that seem to be you know, part of the culture, and I really right. prefer my, my colleague address that, you know, we can also look at what we consume here in the United States and Canada and Europe and the conditions that animals are kept in many of the factory farms where meat ends up coming to our plate. And we're talking about intelligent animals like dogs. Pigs are very intelligent. Chickens are very intelligent. Cows are very intelligent. These are same beings, all like dogs. And frequently, you know, people consume meat here in the U.S. without thinking about where it came from and about that animal. So it's really important when our colleagues in, in Korea are talking about the need to end dog meat consumption of this, you know, companion animal. At the same time, the United National is working here in the United States to end cruel nice. confinement of animals and introduce more plant-based options into diets, trying to find more ways to move away from animal agriculture, which is bad for the environment, which is bad for the climate. And obviously, as we all know, there are very inhumane conditions happening on many of these factory farms throughout our own country and other places in North America and Europe. Definitely. And I was going to certainly bring up pigs because pigs are arguably as smart as dogs and have as profound an emotional life. They can even have a profound emotional life with humans, not just with each other. So their lives are dreadful. And no, we don't question. Um, we Americans, and, and even in the UK, people don't question the massive amount of pork consumption. It's. I'm wondering, it's culturally, do we not want to talk about it or think about it the way people in South Korea didn't want to talk about or think about the dog meat trade? The only difference is that such a small percentage of their country consumes the dog meat. That's the part that I find odd, that it would somehow still be protected by the silence until HSI broke open the topic and brought it to the forefront. It's just a curious thing about humans. We're very good at turning a blind eye where it suits us, right? And absolutely. where we're comfortable. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And it takes you know, people really saying, hey, let's look at what we're eating. Let's look at the impact, the footprint of our food and our meals and the industry and the trade and what it means to be humane in the way that we treat animals. Um, you know, many people make that conscious choice to become vegan, not only because it's good for the planet, but also because it's a healthier lifestyle and they know that there are not animals that are being exploited in order to keep them fed and they can still have, you know, very healthy, exciting, wonderful diets. Uh, but when we talk with our colleagues in South Korea and they talk about this industry, there is a lot of global attention on this, unlike, you know, you'll, you won't necessarily see the whole world turning and looking at the way that mm. meat and cows and chickens are produced, right. even though we're trying to get attention on that. But the difference here is that people know dogs. People love dogs. Dogs are companion animals. You know, they're not typically associated with food except for in these parts of Asia where we're working with them. And the idea that these smart, lovable companion animals that have, you know, as long as we've known been you know part of our families and part of our lives um that they are 
growing up for the first year of their life before being slaughtered in this horrific, horrific environment and then being consumed, there is a real you know, reaction that people have to that. And Koreans are aware of that. And they're aware that the rest of the world is looking at them and why are they still consuming dogs when most of the world sees dogs purely as companion animals that would be loved and part of the family. So I think that is the other thing that, you know, drives a little bit of that. Um, I don't know if you use the word shame. I don't want to use that word, but that potentially lying on whether they've consumed, you know, is it maybe more prevalent trying to figure out what it means with the global politics of right. what we where and why. A really good point. And, and I think for me, the idea that shining light on these dogs is not about, oh, 34 dogs got a good home, and it's just so horrible, the other million. It's more like, turn around and look at your dinner plate, look at your fridge, look at your supermarket. They, South Koreans are not other than us. They're just humans doing whatever people have traditionally done until somebody gets woke and gets educated and gets has things pointed out. So while I think that that light is on them as if they are other and they are bad guys, we're humans. And what we do to animals all the time, everywhere, is pretty unconscionable. And in America, we get all up in arms about puppy farms and let's teach puppy farmers, puppy mills, they're puppy farmers, to do something else. You've come up with brilliant solutions. I don't yeah, know if the puppy yeah. farmers in America, many of them used to be chicken farmers, if we could make them be soybean farmers, but you know, it's more complicated agriculture in America. You can't just raise some chili parsley and make a living at it, right? Maybe in South Korea, you can. So you come up with a yeah. brilliant solution. I mean, I, I just... We've run out of time, Jeff, but I just have to say that I think what you're doing has many facets of brilliance to it. And it's just important for us not to have the knee-jerk reaction of, oh, those terrible people and, oh, those poor animals. We all, in our own special ways, are terrible and animals are suffering. And let these dogs be ambassadors to remind us of that and the people who are lucky enough to get them. Let's not brag that we have a dog meat trade dog, and aren't we wonderful to adopt them. Let's do something to change how we're interacting with animals on the planet. That's, that's how I see it, is these animals should be ambassadors to make us better people, not just by being kind to those individuals or that species. I, I absolutely agree, Tracy, and I want to give huge props to my colleagues in Korea who are on the front line of this fight, um, as well as our folks all over the world who are working to make the planet a more humane place for animals, um, you know, looking to fight the big fights, addressing the supply and the demand, working to educate people. And like you said, looking at our own habits, looking at our own plate and our refrigerator and trying to figure out how we can help make this a more humane planet. So thank you so much for having me on the show today. Um, and I am excited for these 34 dogs. They're going to have a better life, but I'm even more excited for how they are moving us closer to banning the dog meat farming in South Korea. Bravo. Well said. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support their products because they stand behind my mission, which is to educate and inspire while entertaining. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like No Hide and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Blue Weimaraner Maisie will eat. My other sponsor is Cradle 
which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. And I'm grateful to Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It is higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.